Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Uranium Market Minute. Today is Sunday, February 4th, and this is episode number 207. My name is Justin Hewn. I'm your host. I'm the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Investing Newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you see or hear in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor, and this is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing. And always take responsibility for your own choices. All right, really good to be back with you guys again today. It has been, oh gosh, it's been almost two months here and a lot has happened. There's so much to cover. But of course, today we are going to cover the topic that is at the top of mind for all investors in this space, and that is Kazatomprom and the recent 4Q uh, trading update. We're going to go over some numbers. I'm going to give you my take on the supply situation, especially when it comes to the supply out of Kazakhstan. Before we get into it, I am on the cusp here of 20,000 subscribers to our YouTube channel. If you are not already subscribed, please do so. I would really appreciate it. Like the video and subscribe to the channel. It does help us out. Secondly, I want to remind you that if you have not already, please go back and watch our November members-only webinar that we did make a portion of this webinar public back in December. This is our November members webinar, and this webinar is an interview with Nick Lawson and Ben Feingold from Oceanwall. They and we go deep into the subject of Kazakhstan and Kazatomprom specifically and how the supply is likely to not meet expectations in this region of the world. This, of course, was made available to our members back in November, then to the public in December. And if you haven't watched it yet, go back. You're going to learn something and you're going to learn something that is relevant to what was just released last week and is relevant to the supply situation going forward is very, very high level information coming from the guys from Oceanwall. So appreciate them allowing us to make this available to you guys. It is free. Click the link in the description below and you can access that for free. I strongly suggest to you that if you have not watched it, that you do so. Even though it's a couple months old, it is absolutely relevant to what the market is responding to right now. So Uranium had a huge week. It's had a huge first month of the year. Spot price has been up on stilts. It went from about $90 all the way to $106. It pulled back a little bit down to $100 of the past couple of weeks. It's already back up again to $107, and it is going higher. Why? We are in a severely supply-constrained environment here. This is not necessarily a demand story. This is more a supply story. Yes, demand is stable. Yes, demand is growing. The outlook for nuclear is incredibly positive. But what we're looking at here is a supply constraint for the foreseeable future in the uranium market. So I think that rather than going over the daily scoreboard and talking about the spot price and ETF flows, which by the way, ETF flows were very large in January, larger than the than any month over the past six months. Uh, we're continuing to see money come into the sector, and that's a very positive sign. Money flows into the ETFs. ETFs buy their underlying holdings. Everything moves. That's what we call the flywheel effect. You can very clearly see it on big up days and on big down days when the ETFs are selling their underlying holdings. On balance, especially over the last six months, we have had way, way more days of shares outstanding expanding than contracting. And that's a bull market, essentially, really is what we're looking at here. So rather than talking about the ETF flows any further, spot price, you guys know what's up with the spot price. It's $107 a pound here. Um, let's go ahead and dive into some analysis of the Kazatomprom release and just in general about Kazakhstan's production. So 
Kazakhstan really came on the scene in the mid 2000s. They started to produce in the early 2000s, and then they started to ramp pretty substantially in the mid 2000s, going from just a few thousand tons per year all the way up to 24,000 tons peaked out in 2016. Production has been a little bit less than that since then. And because Adaprom since going public in 2018, and they are 25% public, 75% owned by the Sovereign Wealth Fund of Kazakhstan, essentially state-owned. Since going public in 2018, they have taken on this value over volume strategy for the company, which is we're going to voluntarily cut our production down to a level that allows the market to balance itself out and recuperate a bit. Of course, they enormously benefit from the rising prices of inhibited supply from themselves and from other places in the world. And that's exactly what happened. So Kazakhstan, Kazatomprom uh, specifically pulled back and on a 100% basis. And when I say that, I'm talking about all of the uranium out of Kazakhstan. That's Kazatomprom and their joint venture partners. So they have a bunch of joint venture partners. The largest joint venture partner is Russia. They have some JVs with China. They have some JVs with, with Japan. They have a JV with the French. They have a JV with Cameco. So they have a lot of joint venture partnerships. So when I say 100% basis, that's all of the uranium out of Kazakhstan, not just for Kazanoprom specifically on an attributable basis for that company specifically. Their production has been right around 21 to 23,000 tons since 2016. They guided for 20,000 tons to 22,000 tons for 2023. They came in at 21,000 tons. Let's see, they came in exactly, no, they guided for 20 and a half to 20 and 21 and a half. They came in at just over 21,000 tons for 2023. If you're wanting to do the math and put it into pounds, you can take one ton and multiply by 2,600. So they were in line with guidance for last year. Let's go ahead and pull this up, actually. I'm going to share my screen and share a number of tables from this release, as well as some screenshots from their most recent corporate presentation, which I think are relevant for this discussion. Okay, so this is a screenshot from the trading update that was just released last week. So you, as you can see, their guidance for 2023 was 21 and a half to 21 and a half thousand tons, and they came, came in just over 21,000 tons for the year. Now, if you recall correctly, their release back in September stated that they were going to shoot for a 10% below subsoil use agreement. So the subsoil use agreement is essentially their mining license. And this is a certain level of production that is expected from the state. And they are allowed to essentially go 20% below or above that level. Now they've been voluntarily operating below that level, 20% below that level for the past four years. So going forward to 2024, back in September, they had stated to the market they intended to go to 10% instead of 20% below that subsoil use level. That is 25,500 tons for 2024. That was their statement back in September. And if you recall, the uranium market made a nice run in August. The spot price started to move because Adam Prom came out with a statement and the sector sold off. And we were one of the first to say, fade this, you guys. This is just a statement. There's no way they're going to hit the, those numbers. How did we know that they were not going to hit those numbers? Well, in the same breath, they said that they were going to increase production to 10% below their subsoil use agreements to 25,500 tons for 2024. They were revising down their CapEx for 2023. So what this means essentially is there's a lag period between CapEx spend and actual production. And I'll show you a graph in just a moment that shows you specifically from the company what that lag period is. So what we have to do is we have to watch for every quarterly financial update. We have to watch for 
did their CapEx increase and did it increase substantially? Their well-filled development CapEx, their sulfuric acid purchasing. Those are the two big numbers that we have to watch quarter over quarter because 12 to 18 months following that jump in CapEx is when you see the production increase. As of yet, we have not seen a jump in CapEx. And while they stated 2024, this is what we're shooting for. Oh, by the way, we're guiding down our expected CapEx for 2023. Well, it was pretty easy at the time to say they're not going to hit that. And to say that with very, very high confidence. And now, of course, they're coming out to the market telling you exactly that. So now what are they looking for? 2024, 21 to 22 and a half thousand tons. A very, very small increase is being guided for over 2023. But importantly, this is three to four and a half thousand tons lower than their expected guidance that they had just put out a few months back. So what is that? That's eight, 10 million pounds that they, there's not going to be produced in the market that just a few short months ago, the market was expecting. What does that mean? Basically, that means because Adaprom is going to have a tighter situation for their production going forward. So they, like everybody else, have been flexed up on by utilities. Previous contracts signed in the previous decade into the early 2020s that were partially spot referenced, partially fixed price. When they're being delivered on now, the utilities are electing within the allowance of that contract to flex up on the amount of uranium that they're receiving in that delivery. Why? Because part of that contract was fixed price. And if you sign that contract in 2018, 2019, 2020, you're paying 20 or 30 or maybe $40 for that fixed price portion of the contract. Well, in an environment here with $107 spot, market reference contracts with floors and maybe no ceilings, basically base escalated, this is a very, very tight market. The price trajectory is clear. It is 100% a seller's market. And if you're a utility, you're going to flex up all day long on the deliveries on contracts you signed over the past five years. But it's happening to Kazatomprom, it's happening to Cameco, it's happening to Orano, it's happening to Uranium One. Anybody that sold pounds in, in contracts in the previous years, they're being flexed up on by their utility customers. Now we have maybe 10 million pounds less production than was previously guided for, for this year for, on a 100% basis out of Kazakhstan. That impacts all of the JB partners. What was just reported a couple of weeks back by CGN, in specific, their, their Ortoluk uh, joint venture with Kazatomprom, that their Q4 production was 20% lower than the previous year. All of these projects are having drawdowns in production due primarily to sulfuric acid availability. The company spoke a lot about this in the trading update. I'm going to talk about this briefly. If you are a member of Uranium Insider, you were able to watch an interview on the day of Kazatomprom's release with ourselves and Ben Feingold from Ocean Wall, where we talked in depth about the sulfuric acid market and the implications going forward. I'm not going to reveal a lot from that conversation because that's uh, proprietary behind the paywall for our members. But it went a long way to describe exactly what's going on here with the sulfuric acid market and why it's not a quick fix and why they need a lot of sulfuric acid going forward. On that note, I want to highlight a statement that was made from the company last year. So this is a quote. I don't remember who this is from, from Kazatomprom, but this is a director of Kazatomprom. Basically, what they have stated in this statement coming from the company, essentially, is that we will need acid. Today, we consume about 2.2 million tons. 
If we want to fulfill our stated plans, we will probably need at least 3 million tons. He's talking about annual basis. Unfortunately, Kazakhstan does not produce that much today. Okay, so let's take a look at some historical numbers, you guys. These are the numbers for the actual sulfuric acid usage for production of uranium in Kazakhstan. So going back all the way to 2011, on average, from 2011 through 2021, they used just under 80 tons of sulfuric acid per ton of uranium. Now we go forward to the statement that I just read. We will need at least 3 million tons. And what is their guidance for their goals? Their guidance for 2025 is to produce 30 and a half to 31 and a half thousand tons of uranium. That's about 80 million pounds of uranium. That's a very, very large jump. A lot of that is coming from the Budinovskoy deposit. I'll show you a graph on that in just a moment. So let's look at historically. Historically speaking, on an annual basis, they've used as low as 73 tons per ton and as high as 87 tons per ton. Well, now they're talking 3 million tons or 30 and a half to 31 and a half thousand tons. That's 95 to 100 tons per ton. That's a big jump. That's a big jump, okay? In the first part of that statement, we will need acid. Today, we consume about 2.2 million tons. Okay, well, what are they producing? 21,000 tons of uranium. And they're guiding next year for 22,000 tons, all right? So that's already close to 100 tons per ton. So what is happening? Okay, here is what's happening. Let me share another graph with you guys here. So this actually goes back, uh, this, this graph is going all the way back to 2015, showing their, their historical production and the dips that have happened over, since 2016 when they peaked out. 2016, 64 million pounds of uranium. I think that's about 23 and a half to 24,000 tons. Okay, look at that giant kind of peach-colored glob at the top of this. That is the Budinovskoy project. That is 49% owned by Russia. This is a very deep and a little bit more of a complex deposit than what they've historically produced on. So this ramp for Budinovskoy, which they show starting to ramp 2023, 2024, and that obviously is delayed. And I'm going to share something else with you from the recent release in just a moment. This is a very large deposit. This is relatively good grades. It's a long-lived asset, and it's going to produce a lot of uranium in its first few years. But the development has been delayed, and it's taking a lot of acid to get this going. A lot of acid. Okay, so I think that the ramping up of Budinovskoy, I believe that there's pressure for them to do this. Why? Because it's a 49% ownership from the Russians, and the Russians have a very large export book for their nuclear reactors, and not a lot of domestic in-situ resources. Their best assets are their joint ventures with Kazakhstan, Kazanoprom. So this ramping of Budinovskoy basically accounts for a very large percentage of the expansion for Kazanoprom on a 100% basis, all the uranium out of Kazakhstan. So this big jump that they're flagging, right? When they're saying they're going to be producing 30 and a half to 31 and a half thousand tons for 2025, by the way, they're going to revise that down in the next six months, most likely. Um, they're not going to hit that. But that big jump that they are hoping for largely is coming from this one deposit. Okay, so important detail on that. That is a joint venture with Russia, with Rosatom. That was pushed through in December of 2022. Following that, pushing through of that joint venture, we had a number of C-suite execs from Xanoprom leave. This revolving door of the company continues. Looking at this deposit, this development, which is actually going more slowly than they would like and consuming an enormous amount of sulfuric acid to get going. 
the first five years of production from this mine on a 100% basis. So all of the uranium coming out of Budenovskoy is going to Russia. That's Kazatomprom's share, and that's Rosatom's share, all of it. So this is not a salve to the Western market by any stretch of the imagination. There's a couple of other things I want to share with you guys from this update. So speaking of Budenovskoy, this is a statement from the, from the trading update that they released last week that uh, Kazatomprom released. Concurrently, entities engaged in mining operations at newly established deposits face the potential challenge of descending beneath the threshold of minus 20% of their subsoil use agreements. This risk is primarily attributed to delays in the construction of surface facilities and infrastructure. Okay, this is no, this is not due to sulfuric acid shortage that they are blaming primarily on their 2024 guidance, revising that down is on sulfuric acid availability. This for their new deposits risk is primarily attributed to delays in the construction of surface facilities and infrastructures. These delays in turn are a consequence of the extended timelines required for the development and subsequent approval of project design documentation. Long story short, the existing producers are having trouble with supply chains, with skilled labor. That is going to be something that we're going to probably hear from Cameco in the next week. Their conference call is this upcoming Thursday. So the big producers of the world are supply constrained. That should tell you something about the development projects as well. Last thing I want to share, and this is kind of going a little bit backwards here, but it's worth showing you guys. This is the production profile, the Wellfield block production profile from Kazatomprom. So you can see their Wellfield development. So this first zero to four months, that's the previous months after the financial reporting. So if we see Q1's reporting that will come out in April, if we see that there was a big jump in CapEx, we can expect an increase in production starting about eight to 10 months following that. So the later part of this year into the 1Q of 2025, full production, peak production from that any specific well field, 18 months following that drill out, okay? So when they're talking about a really, really big jump in production, that is going to happen minimum 18 months following the big jump in CapEx. We're going to see a very, very large jump in CapEx. We're going to see a jump in the sulfuric acid, of course, because Adamprom is building their own sulfuric acid plant and another one. They already have, I believe, two in the country that produce 650,000 tons a year, and they're using 2.3 million. This next plant is going to be a bit larger, 800,000 tons per year. They are stating that that plant will be operational in 2026. Going back historically, it has taken much longer than two years to build their existing sulfuric acid plants. Of course, they didn't have the incentive. The incentive is there now, and that is the price of uranium. Now, I find it quite interesting that when they announce that they are going to miss their guidance for this year and probably next year, and I can tell you right now, guaranteed they're going to miss next year, we're not going to see 30,000 tons out of Kazakhstan until 2027. That's my and that's my estimation. And that is the earliest case scenario because we're going to need that plant operational, full sulfuric acid, and we're, we're going to need supply chains and skilled labor to be able to ramp up. And we're going to need to see that CapEx jump in a major way for the well field development. All those things have to align for the country of Kazakhstan to produce 80 million pounds in a year. That's a huge ask. So that also doesn't get into the fact that a bunch of these existing producing assets are actually depleting all assets deplete. That's not a conspiracy theory. 
Mines deplete, that's what happens. So when the company says there is no depletion, that is straight up not true. But of course, there is a lot of truth to the fact that sulfuric acid availability is what is mostly affecting their production levels right now. Why? Because they have assets that are slightly in decline that need more asset to maintain production levels as these new deposits are struggling to come online. So I'm not coming here saying the company is screwed or there is not going to be any production increase out of Kazakhstan. That's not what I'm saying. There will be, and they have every incentive to do so right now. $107 a pound. The company is making so much money. So they're going to be increasing. They're going to be increasing production. But what we're looking at here is delayed increases. They need way more acid and we need to watch that well-filled development capex. We need to see that jump. Okay. Enough about Kazakhstan. What else is going on in the world? Well, really what we need to look at right now, you guys, is what sort of supply can realistically be expected. And Kazadamprom was the big one that the market is watching, utilities are watching to say, okay, well, Kazakhstan can just turn on the taps because everybody has believed that ad nauseum for the past decade. Clearly that's not the case. Will they increase? 100% they will. Is it going to take time? Yes. So between now and 2027, minimum, what is going to come into the market to satiate the demand from the utilities that is here and is coming? Well, I believe that between the release last week from Kazatomprom and the upcoming release from Cameco, utilities are going to get their act together. And any utility that is still sitting on the fence that needs to cover in the near to midterm is going to do it. And they're going to do it this year. We have a severely supply constrained environment. We're going to see nominal volume traded in the spot market move the price. Now we had a small dip after a rise from 90 to 106 that went like this. We pulled back to hundred bucks and the buyers stepped in. As of now, we are not seeing evidence of supply coming in to meet this, these prices. Yes, this supply incentivizes a lot of projects. We're going to see projects attempt to get online. There's so many impediments to development. Skilled labor is a big one. Namibia has water impediments. There's political impediments in uh, Central Asia in terms of shipping, in terms of influence from Russia, in terms of the West, still voluntarily not engaging new business with Russia. We have legislation that's going to the Senate at any time now, We'll see a Senate vote on this legislation that could ban Russian uranium imports. Yes, there would be waivers, but maybe Russia will, in response to that ban, actually say, okay, you're going to ban us. Well, guess what? We're not sending you any more uranium. That is a potential that's on, on the table here. As far as we can tell, the bulk of the risks to this market here are right tail risks. These are risks that will result in, if they pan out, in pressure on the price to continue to move higher. There's nothing that we can see that is evidence that we expect the price to stabilize or drop yet. Will it happen eventually? Of course it will. These prices at 107 bucks a pound are incentivizing some projects. We get up to 150 and it sustains. Every project in the world is going to do what they can to come online. But guess what? They can't do it quickly. So we have this period of time. That's what's so unique about this investment here. We have this period of time where we have incentive price or very close to it, and we're going to see much higher. But the, the, the supply just can't respond fast enough. That's where we're at, you guys. And I think we have minimum of two, probably three to five years still before we see supply respond 
sufficiently. So we're talking a Kazakh ramp. We're talking BHP's Olympic Dam. If we see higher gold and, and copper prices, we're going to see more uranium out of Olympic Dam, maybe two or three more million pounds a year. It's not nothing, but it's not huge. The Uzbeks are going to try to ramp up supply. US ISR is moving. We'll get maybe a million pounds out of the US in 2024. Maybe we'll get two in 2025, maybe three in 2026. Okay, slowly it's getting there. Incrementally, pounds are starting to, to filter in, but they're not filtering into the spot market. We're going to need all of these to happen. We're going to need Arrow developed, Denison's Phoenix, probably a project or two out of Namibia. That's what we're going to have to see to see this market balance. In the meantime, the pressure is going to be on the market to the upside. So that's where we're at. I Hopefully that was helpful for you guys to understand a little bit more about the situation in Kazakhstan. Look, I'm not running around with my hair on fire here, but I'm also not saying that they are about to ramp. They're not. It's going to take time. It's going to take acid. and They don't have it yet. So we've got a couple of years, like I said. This new plant, if they can get that operational in 2026, which is two years from their license, which was just granted last month, that is very optimistic. Is it possible? Yes. Do they have every in price incentive to make it happen? A hundred percent. How long did their last plant take to build? Six years. Is it going to take this one six years? Probably not. Why? Because uranium is on fire and they can make a lot of money at these prices and the higher prices that are coming. So they're going to try to get that going. Let's just say they get it online in 2026. That means they will have much more acid to pump into the ground during calendar year 2026, which means 2027 is the big jump. Again, the big jump is mostly for Budenovskoy and all that uranium is going to Russia for the first five years. So that doesn't really mean anything for the Western market or any market outside of Russia, the Chinese, the French, doesn't matter. So we don't have a lot of Western supply. Global Atomics, DASA, NextGen's Aero, Denison's Phoenix, US ISR, Boss's Honeymoon, maybe Deep Yellow's Molga Rock. All of these things are going to have to happen and they're going to have to happen soon to satiate this market's demand. And I'm telling you, it's not going to happen soon. So expect prices to keep moving up. Will we see fits and starts along the way? Yes. Will we see some pounds shake out into the market as the prices get even higher? Yes. What has happened so far? The opposite. Market is drying up. The only uranium for sale in the spot market right now is, is coming from traders with offtakes. These are traders that have production coming out of Uzbekistan or out of Australia, and they get a little bit of pounds every month and they sell it in the market every month. Why? Because the price is moving up every month and they can profit every month and get more pounds month over month from these offtakes. That's the only entity selling into this market. Everyone else is holding or buying. Price is going higher. Now, what are we seeing? We're starting to see companies start to impute these prices into their forward projections. All of these feasibility studies that have been done over the past five years at 40 to $60 uranium, they're all going to get updated with 100, 120, 130, 150. And then these equities are going to look very, very cheap when we see these upgrades. We're going to see the analysts start to impute these numbers and say, God, we have a price target way higher than what these things are sitting at based on imputing these uranium prices. So that's where I think we are. That's what I think is coming this year. I don't have a price target for uranium this year, but I'm telling you, it's going to be way, way higher. It's going to keep moving. Even though the price looks like a hockey stick and the technicians will look at this and go, gosh, you guys, I don't think this is going much higher. It's going higher. There is no supply salve for this market. All right, enough of my soapbox. Again, if you haven't already watched our November members webinar, this is the only webinar 
that we've done behind the paywall that we've put out publicly. And we are likely to not do this again. So go ahead and watch this. You can also get some idea of the type of content we put out on a monthly basis to our paying members. If you are a paying member and you're watching this, thank you for the support. If you're not, please check it out. You have access immediately to all of our existing historical content. All of the past monthly webinars are recorded for you to watch the replays of those, all of our monthly letters, all of our email bulletins, etc. But either way, regardless of whether or not you join, you should do yourself a favor and watch this recording of the November's webinar with Ben Feingold and Nick Lawson from Oceanwall, where we discuss in depth the supply implications coming out of Kazakhstan. All right. I hope that you are well. Take care. I will see you again in the next episode. Cheers.